All right, well, who we are. Who we are can be answered in a myriad of ways, can't it? Um, we can talk about the fact that we are a mom or a grandma or a wife or an employee or an employer or a grandma. <laughs> we can do all of that. Um, but who we are as a human, hopefully at the top of that list, is a sinner saved by grace. Because apart from Christ, we are just like the rest of the world who live day in and day out with hope of doing enough good in this world that we can make a difference. But then when they die, where do we go? <laughs> so um, one of the most incredible lessons that I have learned um, growing up in church, my dad is a pastor. He's a pastor teacher. He teaches from the original languages. So you're going to have to bear with me because I will bring out those words occasionally when they're needed. Um, but one of the most incredible lessons that I have been taught is that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we become a new creature. And that's in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And what I didn't realize when I first read that verse was all the multifaceted things that happen instantaneously at our salvation. And when, when I recognized that I needed a Savior, and I began to then study his word and harmonize other scriptures, I saw there was a much larger picture involved. And um, I use the word picture because that's what we're what I've handed out to you today is a picture of what happens at our salvation. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and I think all of you ladies have, so praise the Lord for that, you too have had a multiplicity of things that instantaneously took place at that moment that you put your belief in the work of Jesus Christ. And so I, I want to talk today about this mystery of us in Christ and Christ in us, the hope of glory. So first, let's just open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. You know, um, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says to them that it's important that they understand that there are spiritual things to be learned, and they can only learn those spiritual things when they are spiritually in tune with God. And so that happens as we confess our sin, if we have any in our in our mind at that moment, if we, First um, John 1:9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So even the things that we did that we didn't realize were not what God wanted for us to be doing. Even those He forgives us. So let's take a moment just to write ourselves with Him before we get into His Word, and um, I want to write myself as well. And let's uh, go to Him in prayer. Father God, you are so gracious to us and so full of mercy, and we are so undeserving, but you just keep doling it out to us day after day, and I'm just so grateful, Father. 
I thank you for each of these ladies that are here. I pray that you would bless our time together as we look at your word. Lord, may your spirit be our teacher and our guide. May the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing to you. May we set aside distractions and all those things that have hearkened for our attention all week, Lord. We just give those to you. As Carol said, the best advice, we give it to you. And so we just do, Lord. We just take this morning to set aside some time to be in your word together. I thank you for each one that is here, and I pray that you would just bless our time. Help us to learn who we are in Christ Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Well, that list of who we are can often be based on what we do. Um, it can be based on what we have. Uh, it can be based on where we're from. But um, as I said, I'm hoping that we will always have at the top of our list, we are a child of God, a sinner saved by grace. Let's open up our Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I need a Bible. There's some up on the shelf over there. Titus chapter 2. Titus is at the back of the New Testament, just after second, first and second Timothy. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 through 14, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. I realize that King James reads slightly different there, so we want to look back to some of that original language that I was talking about. The majority of the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, and God did a miraculous thing when Alexander Great took over the known world he decided he wanted everyone to know the same language because when he gave orders to march, he wanted them all to know. So he created a language called Koine Greek. And that is what God used for us to have in the New Testament. It's a very specific language um, where we might have three or four words. They would have one word. And people knew exactly what the word was when they said that specific word. In this case, the King James um, ended up translating that the words here in verse 14 with, um, the word is, well, let me explain what the word is first. The word is periusion in Koine. And it, it's uh, diagrammed here on the sheet for you. And what the King James did was they used, uh, they translated it as a word that was common to them at that time of a period of time that they were writing, that they were translating the King James Version. So they came up with peculiar people. Well, my dad used to teach a, a preach, a sermon called Oddballs for Christ from this text because that's when you're reading it in English and 
the way we understand peculiar now is that that would be odd or weird or strange. And so he would preach this sermon called Oddballs for Christ, and it was about how Christians should stand out from the world, we should be different, which we know scripture supports that. We are to be holy and separate and, and set apart. But I always thought it was funny that he called this out Oddballs for Christ. Well, then as he got to know the languages and he went to school and learned these languages, he realized that the word parousion did not mean odd, strange, weird. It meant you're a peculiar to that person, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To that entity that owns you. The word parousion, here means you are a possession so this dot or this what it's diagrammed in Paul when God wrote had Paul write this letter he had him diagram it with this sphere it wasn't just a circle it was actually a whole sphere like a ball um, that had a dot inside of it, and that showed possession. Well, Perusion goes beyond just possessing something. God didn't just save us to own us as a, a slave master. That's not how God works. So Perusion, he is our owner, but we, the dot, are his treasure possession. So the word perusion is treasured possession. Now, I know when I see that, I think I'm so special. <laughs> I'm treasured by God. But you know what? The value that we have in God or by God is because we are in Christ. Christ made us holy. He made us righteous. He made us everything that God wants us to be in Christ. So we are valued because Christ paid a huge price. He redeemed us. And we're going to look at that in a little bit here. I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, um, so that word on. yes, we will be different than the world. By the mere fact that we are in Christ, we are different. Because at the moment of your salvation, when he made you new, he birthed a spirit in you. We were once spiritually dead, all of us, born that way. Since Adam and Eve, we have all been born spiritually dead. And you'll hear the world talk a lot about their spirituality and all that, but you know what? Their spirit is dead until it is regenerated by the Holy Spirit at salvation. So when, um, I don't know, I used to be this far away from my notes. <laughs> um, when we look at, at Perusion, we are the dot encompassed in the sphere of Christ. That is our position. So up here at the top, you'll see position to Titus 2.14. That's because we are his personal possession, his treasured possession. 
that cost him his life. And when we place our faith in the grace that God gives us, we are saved. And we are put into Christ. So, John tells us in chapter 3 that we have to be born again. Because we are born spiritually dead. We need to be born again. We were born body and soul. But we need to be body, soul, and spirit. Just as it was when God originally created Adam and Eve. You know, the, the Hebrews called God Jehovah El Ashib, which means God our restorer. And the word restore there means to bring back into original existence, use, function, or position. That's what God is doing. He is bringing us back into the original creation that he created us in, which is body, soul, and spirit. So we are born again. And instead of just being body and soul, we are now soul, body, and spirit. So yes, we are a new creation. We are totally different than we were before. I don't know about you, I was nine when I finally submitted to the Lord. And in 14 when I recommitted myself. And in the, <laughs> you know how that goes. But I don't know about you, but when I had to walk that aisle to my father, who was standing at the other end, and admit that I was indeed a sinner, because up to that point I was pretty much denying that, <laughs> um, there was a rush of peace and tears flowing like crazy because I couldn't believe God would save me. So I don't know about you, what you're your experience was when you gave your heart to Christ. For some people, it's just a, they just grow into it and they don't even recognize it. But for me, it was a open the door and move on in, Lord, because I want you to take my life. And um, so that being born again, body, soul, and spirit, it was a real evident thing in my life. Um, it was definitely... One of those things where I knew I couldn't mess around anymore because God owned me. I was his treasured possession. And he is our restorer. He's bringing us back into the image of Christ at salvation. He does that for us. Well, look at Ephesians chapter 1. This book is one of my favorites. And at the beginning of the year, um, I have a little website, not for much longer, but I have had a website for the last seven years and um, since coming to Ireland. And on there, I challenged my readers to memorize scripture this year. And this was the scripture I was going to memorize. I was going to memorize verses 3 through 14. And I did it for about a week. <laughs> I, well, it took me longer to memorize it, but I finally got it all under my belt where I could quote it for a whole week. And then something happened, and I didn't quote it, and now I've only got bits and pieces of it again. But, so I'm going to be reading it too. Um, but anyway, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. 
The New American Standard obviously reads a little different than the King James. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I want you to note as we're going through this, how many times that phrase, in Christ, comes up. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, a promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So let's just go through this list here, listed in these verses that talk about what we have as um, in Christ as his treasured possession. We have every spiritual blessing. You know, those spiritual blessings come because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives now. And what does it say the fruit of the Holy Spirit is? Do you know the fruits of the the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, Love joy, peace, patience, faith, kindness, faith, faithfulness, yes, goodness, gentleness, and then there's that one, self-control. <laughs> All of those are actually ours because the Holy Spirit is in us, and we have every spiritual blessing available to us. That comes out when you are driving down the road and there's traffic in front of you and you're a little bit late for your appointment and you are stuck and you are getting more and more anxious about what's going on and then someone pulls in front of you and then this happens and that happens and all it takes is just a breath of air to say, Lord, let your spirit produce its fruit in you because you have love you have joy you have peace you have patience you know i don't know how many times we say i prayed for patience and then somebody said don't pray for patience he'll put a lot of hard things in your life you already have patience within you we just have to learn to use it 
because it's all right there. In verse 2, and of course there's other, I mean it's every spiritual blessing. It's not just those nine things from the Spirit, but it's all of the spiritual blessings. So, and the second thing we is that it says we were chosen in Christ whoops, to be blameless and holy and blameless. I, I think it's important to note that the emphasis is not that you were put into Christ. That's not what it says. The Greek text actually says in the Koine, in Christ. And it's drawing you right up to the edge of the cross and saying, are you going to accept it or not accept it? Once you put your faith in him and you stop, step across that threshold, then you are in Christ. But it's not, I mean, God made us with free will. So he, the word in, in Koine is that he draws you right up to that decision and then he leaves the decision to you. It does not say that he chose you to be in Christ. Um, it says he chose you in Christ to be holy and blameless. Because in Christ we are holy and blameless. Not because of what we've done. Oh, heavens, no. But because of what Christ has done. And we are in him. So we are holy and blameless. Uh, another thing that it says we are is loved. In verse, um, what is that, three? Four. four. Verse four. We are loved. God is love, isn't he? It's his character to love. It's not an emotion. It's a, his absolute character that he is love. And in that love, he adopted us. Now, again, you know, when I was talking earlier about the King James being written during a certain period of time, this text in Ephesians was written during a certain period of time. It was written to the church in Ephesus by Paul, who was a Roman citizen as well as a Hebrew. They were under Roman rule at the time. And Roman rule, the Roman culture at that time, to be adopted is not the same as we see adoption like with Ian or that we have here in the islands or in the States. Adopted um, was a ceremonial process under the Roman rule. It was a ceremonial process in which the biological child of a family would be have his robes exchanged from the robes of a child to the robes of an adult. And he, it was the, called the toga virilis. And he would become a man at about, I think it was about the age of 13, 14, somewhere in there. He would become a man in the Roman culture. And that Roman culture came with five that ceremony came with five rites that that child would now have. The first rite that he would have was the right to marry. So at 14 years of age, they married young, he could be married. Um, and the correlation to us is that we are the bride of Christ. 
Um, the second thing is he had the right to have a say in the family and civil affairs. And we have prayer and we have Bible studies and we have learning and things that we do um, as well. He also had the right to go to war. And we are definitely in a spiritual battle. Yeah. And so we also have that right to go to war. He had a right to draw from the family account. Could you imagine turning your checkbook over to a 14 year old <laughs> and saying, here you go, <laughs> do with it what you will. Well, in that culture, when they were, went through the toga rule as an adoption process, it meant that they could draw off of a family account because they were seen as an adult. They didn't raise children, they raised adults, which is a little bit different also from our culture. The other thing that they were able to do was that they had a right to the down payment of their inheritance because they would receive an inheritance, but they could get a down payment on it now. So let's say they wanted to marry and they needed some money in order to finance building onto their father's house, which is typically what they would do back then, they would be able to draw on that inheritance. And we have that too, because we have the Holy Spirit within us, and we are able to draw on that inheritance that he is protecting for us every day, every day. Okay, so adoption, a little bit different than the way we look at adoption today. Um, another thing is that we receive in Christ is limitless grace. Limitless. And I can vouch for myself, I need it every day. Because I fail him every day. But in Christ, I have all the grace I need. I have all the grace not only for the sins that I commit to be forgiven and redeemed again. Oh, that's a done deal, actually. But I have the grace to get through my day. I have the grace to treat others in grace. I have the grace to be kind to my husband. I have the grace to reach out to the lonely. I have that grace supplied to me in full. Every good work that God prepared for me to do before the foundations of the world Every good work he prepared each one of you to do. And they're all individual. They're not all the same. He gave you the grace to do that. He has given us the grace to do that. So we have his limitless grace. There is no end to the grace that we have in him. This one was a big one for me. Redemption. In Christ we have redemption. And I think it came about uh, when I was watching an old movie. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movies where they have the slaves chained together and they're shuffling along in a line up in front of a bunch of people. And people are bidding on these slaves. And I got the whole impression that that was me. I was a sin to slave. I mean, a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin before Christ. 
But at that moment of salvation, he broke those chains. He bought me off of that market. And he made me his own. And when I think about the fact that I am his own, it, just think about that for a minute. You belong to Christ. Where's Christ seated right now? Okay, he's right at the right hand of the Father, right? Who else is in that room accusing? Yeah. So when when Satan comes and he says, did you see what Leslie did? I saw her, and she did this. Jesus immediately says, she's mine. She's covered. She is forgiven, and she is redeemed. And that is powerful when we look at what he has done for us just by simply being in Christ. So we are redeemed, and I just mentioned the word, we are forgiven. You know, we owed a pretty big debt. And it doesn't matter if you never murdered anybody, if you never um, embezzled, or you never, I mean, think of the big sins that we, we look at in this world. It doesn't matter if you never did any of those. You were born separated from God. And the only way to have a relationship with him is to be in Christ. Because you had to be born again. You had to be saved and put into Christ. And in Christ, when he died on that cross and he said, it is finished, that redemption price paid for our forgiveness. And everything that we've done, past, present, future, is forgiven because we are in Christ. That is amazing. I love my Lord. The other thing that um, that we get as one as being in Christ is we actually can know the mind of God, know the will of God. Excuse me, know the will of God in our life. You know, that's a big one because so often we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're just walking in our day and whatever happens, happens. But if we are in Christ, it's just like Ephesians 2.10 says, he prepared works for us to do. Those good works are only good because God designed them for us. And I don't know how often you've done it, but I've done good things according to this world standard, good things. And God said, that's wood, hay, and stubble. I'm burning it up. Because it wasn't what I called you to do. It wasn't what I had designed for you to do. And so, but we can know the will of God as we are led by his spirit. And his spirit will always lead us to do the will of God. You realize that, right? Mm -hmm. Because they are one. Mm -hmm. And they will not contradict each other. So his will will always be done if we are following the Holy Spirit in our life. Everything that we have is all summed up 
in Christ. Then we get that inheritance. Remember the part of that adoption process? We get an inheritance. Heaven is coming, ladies. Boy, I tell you, I'm really getting excited about it. <laughs> the way we've been going the last few years on this world, I am ready for my Lord to come back. We, we were hiking up in that, that um, trail that I was telling you about earlier up to Mary's Lake. We got to the top, and it's 10,012 feet. We're at this, you know, we're up there. And we're looking out there. It's just, you're at the top of the world kind of thing, looking out over everything. And I told Bobby, obviously I'm, what, three states away from my kids. And I told Bobby, I said, wouldn't it be fantastic if the Lord raptured us right now? <laughs> because I would instantly be enjoying all of this with my family. <laughs> But he didn't, so apparently he's not. I just have that um, pledge of the inheritance, right? So I just have that Holy Spirit that is uh, is there for me right now. You know, and it, I love it in um, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, where it talks about, No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for his people. It's an awesome verse. And I just love it because we have such a short little scope of things mm -hmm. we have no idea what god is doing in each of our lives yeah. or why he's leading us to an island in the caribbean or what he plans to do with you once he gets you there you know he didn't he knew already before that we would be here together mm -hmm. he knew that he was going to blend these people together to create a body of believers that are supposed to be doing something and we can know the will of God in our life if we are following the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't matter if I'm following the Holy Spirit or you're following the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit. So as long as we're all following the Holy Spirit, we will be doing the will of God wherever we are at. So we have the will of God. We have that inheritance. Sorry, I got backwards a little bit. And then we are sealed there. We are sealed in Christ. By the Holy Spirit. He has sealed us there. There is no exit on that sphere. When they diagrammed that, when they, when they described the diagram of that sphere that is Christ, there is no in and out. It is a complete encapsulating sphere that we are in. And there is no way out. So we are sealed there by the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit of promise. And that diagram reveals that to us. He cannot decide himself, as 2 Timothy 2.13 says, because he is faithful. And we have been sealed in him. So, as we harmonize some other scriptures, um, from Ephesians 4.7, we see that we have been given grace. And we've got so a huge one. We've been given grace. And in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it describes a body of believers that are to work together to bring about spiritual maturity with one another. So as you use your spiritual gifting that God has given you, and I hesitate to call it gifting because it almost sounds like, 
well, it should be very magical and it should be very special and it should be. No, God has given you the provisions. The word there in the Koine for, for, well, for gifts isn't even in that, the text of um, some of the gifting texts that we look at. It's the word provisions. He's given us provisions by his grace. He took on everything, every responsibility for accomplishing his will in our lives. He gave us the grace to have those provisions that we need to walk in with him in what he has called us to do. So when we're looking at all of these spiritual blessings, provisions, or what most people call spiritual gifts, were given so for the common good of the body to grow us up into maturity. Now what happens when people aren't using their provisions? Everybody loses. Yeah, everybody loses. We don't have the body functioning. If my leg decided it didn't want to participate, I'm going to be stumbling around. But if we're all doing what God has specified for us to do, and I'm not telling you what to do because I'm not the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, I've been in churches a long, long time, and I've been in churches where they said, you need to do this. Oh, I think you'd be really good at that. Why don't you do this? Oh, you know what? You'd be really good working with children. Why don't you go work in the nursery? You know, when there are always needs within the body of believers because not everybody is using their provisions they were given. But if we were, could you imagine what the world would be like? What our church would be like if we were all using those provisions. And again, I can't tell you what the provisions are that God's given you. He has given you specific provisions that you need to accomplish the works that he prepared for you to do. And that's between you and him, not the religious police <laughs> who want to tell you how to live. Anyway. Um, we are to be a body of believers that work together to bring us about in a mature way into Christ so that we're no longer tossed to and fro and no longer fearful of what goes on in this world. Amen. We have seen our brothers and sisters, we have seen those in this world live in fear for the last two years. For what? Is God not still in control? Does God not still have a plan? Yes. So we need to trust him. He, we just need to trust him. Okay, look at Romans chapter 12. Here's another one that we have. Romans chapter 12. And I'm telling you, we could just go on all day long about the things that we have because we are in Christ. But... And it kind of goes along with this one here. Um, uh, we will have a mind of Christ, and our mind will be transformed by the renewing of it. Okay, so in Romans chapter 2, or 12, verse 2, it says that we will do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
The only way that we can take what was body and soul and tie this spirit in with it is to transform our mind from what we've been trained to do out there with what his word says we are to do in here. So we are to transform our mind. And the more we are in God's word, the more that will be transformed. I can remember when I first started teaching Bible studies, there was a group of gals that were getting together and there was an older lady. And we had been in study for about a month and a half every week. And, she, and there was daily homework. And she said to me during the Bible study, she said, things are so black and white. And she had never seen that before. But when you're in the word, things become very black and white. Those gray areas just kind of go away because his word is exact and true and, and we can rely on it. So I just, she was, was so amazed that it was so black and white. Um, further down in chapter 12, it talks about those spiritual provisions that we were looking at. And it says, for just as, in verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he, um, or if he teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, we each have these provisions that we are to be utilizing to serve one another and to serve God. All those good works that Ephesians 2.10 talks about. He has provided everything we need. So, that's a big list, but I'm sure there are others that I've missed. Can you think of any spiritual blessings that you know of? Hmm. I think in Ephesians it says we were chosen. Mm -hmm. In him to be holy and blameless. Well, it's the holy and blameless, because oh, remember oh. we were not chosen to be in put into Christ, we were chosen to be holy and blameless. So yes, we were chosen. And the chosen looks like this. This is how you get to heaven by being in Christ. So if you want to be in Christ, you're going to heaven. Christ is the bus. Get on the bus. And that was a, a play that our kids did when they were little. But in Christ, anyone that's in Christ is going to heaven, right? You are in relationship. So Christ was the chosen vehicle or vessel that God was going to use. He was the chosen plan. And those who are in him have been chosen to be holy and blameless. Does that make sense, Valerie? Yes. Okay. okay. Anything else? I know I've missed a ton. We have so many blessings, ladies. All right. Well, we'll go on to this other sphere. This other sphere looks a little different. 
This sphere is actually this, the diagrammed, uh, not the way I drew it. I did it this way just for our own purposes to understand the separateness of it, even though it's one. So this sphere actually fits in this sphere because this sphere is that little dot <laughs> that is under the control of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Ephesians 5.18. And we'll start at verse 15. Ephesians 5.15.18. All right. Ephesians 5.15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the word filled there actually means to be saturated to the point of control. So he says, don't let your circumstances control you. Don't let them drink control you. Don't let anything else control you. But in, when you are in Christ, the only one that is to control you is the Holy Spirit. You are to be so filled with him that you are saturated with him. Think about a sponge that's saturated with water. It drips, doesn't it? So when you are saturated by the Holy Spirit, you will be dripping the Holy Spirit. Others will see the results of that in your life. But this diagram, this sphere, they diagram it with a line going in and out of it. And I put on your thing down here um, what causes the in and out of this. When we are in fellowship with God and under the control of his Holy Spirit, then we are, 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 are doing with the will of the Father, right? That's what the verse said. But when we decide to do our own thing, when we step outside of God's will, when we, it could even be a good thing that we think we're doing, like I said earlier. But when we step out, when we sin, we are out of fellowship with him. Now, mind you, this circle is in this sphere. So you are still saved by grace. You did nothing to earn your way in. You can do nothing to earn your way out. Thankfully, we are sealed there by the Spirit. But we can turn our back on God and walk away from the Spirit and say, nope, I'm living for me. And we often find ourselves doing that in small ways. But this, when we are in fellowship, we are saturated to the point of control by him. And it will require training, retraining our mind and our hearts to the things of God. It will take us being mindful of his spiritual blessings that we can draw on. Mindful of the grace that we've been given to live our daily life. Second uh, Peter talks about we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies for this life and the life to come. We know, we have available to us everything that we need to live in this world, even in the sinful state that it's in. 
But the key is we have to keep submitting because James 1 talks about the lusts that we have, our own desires that we are baited by. Um, and we often want to blame it on, well, the devil made me do it or something like that. But it's our own lust patterns that cause us to sin. It's true. Um, and then, you know, it talks about the fact that there's the, there's three different sins that are named that everything else kind of fits under the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Every sin that we do falls under one of those three categories. And if we are prideful, we're not going to want to submit to the spirit. We're going to have to retrain our brain to want to submit to the Holy Spirit. Because as a pride person, you're going to want to control things and run things and do your own thing. And I know better than what God does because I know this is in my best interest to do such and such. Instead of letting God say, this is what I want you to do. And when we say, you know, um, for a prideful person, when we hear the thing that says, humble yourself before, the God, before God, it's like, what? <laughs> But I've been, I've been proud of myself all my life. I've pulled myself up by the bootstraps, and I've done this, and I've done that. You know? But he wants us to submit mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit. So we have James 1 through 14 through 15, and I'll just read that real quickly here. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. What leads me into sin is going to be different than what leads you into sin. And we need to be aware of what those triggers are in our lives. And the only way we can do that is by being really observant of patterns and what God did, what he said in 1 John 1, 9 about um, confess your sin. When you confess, it means to name it. It means to agree with God that what you did was not his will, it was sin, and you're naming it. And what, the more you name those sins, so like I would say, you know, I would come to him and I'd say, you know, Father, I yelled at my husband again today. I wasn't very kind. I wasn't gentle. And I wasn't loving. And I wasn't patient. And I wasn't allowing your spirit to control me. And when I name that, and then I name it the next day, and then I name it the next day, I start to see patterns in my life that... I can start to begin to see triggers for. He's going to say that, and I'm going to have to respond. So if he says that, how am I going to respond? And it makes you evolve into the type of person that God wants you to be, where you're submitting to the Holy Spirit in the process, and you're not saying, well, that offended me, so 
here's what I have to say about that. <laughs> you know? So it, the more that we can name the sin, the more we can identify whether it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the pride, or the lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. Are you a materialist? Are you prideful? Are you a sensualist? And a sensualist is not, does not just have to deal with sex. That has to deal with all of our senses. You want things to feel a certain way, sound a certain way. Um, the textures have to be just right. You know, there's, you want people to perceive you a certain way because your senses are telling you that that's what you desire. So we all have our bent on which one of those we are. And the more we can identify it, the more we can let God change us into the image of Christ. And that happens, obviously, as we are in the Word more as well. But we have to be submitting to the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And then the verses go on to talk about that in a multitude of ways. Be firmly rooted in the Word. Um, be built up in him in Christ be overflowing with gratitude some of you I've told before but the second year I was here the first year I was here I was in such a mess emotionally and just so ungrateful for everything I had that was not much in the little condo we had bought <laughs> compared to what I had just given trailer loads away before we left and so it was really, like I said, a hard transition for me. And so the second year I thought, you know, I am not going to live this way. I am going to start making a change in my life and how I perceive coming to the island and how I perceive living in the condo and how I perceive all those things. And so I started a gratitude box. And every day I would write something that I was grateful for and I stuck it in this box. I should have brought it today. I still have it. And it's still full of stuff. And for that whole year, I did a gratitude box. And I, my thought was, at the end of the year, when we go back to the States to see everyone for the holidays, and then we have to come back in January, I will open that box and I will remind myself how wonderful it is here and how much I appreciate being here, which I love being here. Do you know, after the year of writing all of those grateful things, I did not have to open the box when I got back because I was already overflowing with gratitude. And I didn't have to open that box for a really long time, but I will tell you, I will confess, I have opened it since <laughs> Because there's every now and then you just have to remind yourself, what are you grateful for? So take your list and look at what you're grateful for. But uh, overflowing in gratitude, not deceived by philosophy or traditions of men. There's a lot of philosophy going on out there. What are you going to believe? I hope it's the word of God. So do not be deceived by philosophy or traditions of men or by the elementary principles of this world because this world has a God that is leading everyone that wants to go someplace we don't want to be. Our God wants to take us to heaven to be with him. Turn to 1 John 1, 1, and we're just going to look at this briefly. This is what I was referring to a while ago about um, 1 John 1, 9. 
John says in verse 4 that he's writing these things so that our joy may be made full. Oh, yes, I want that full joy. <laughs> he goes on to describe what it is to walk in the darkness versus walking in the light and referring to walking in fellowship with God. And there's a little spoiler alert here. You can't walk in fellowship with God while you are walking in sin. So it doesn't, they are not compatible. So let's read, um, look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can be thankful, ladies, that if we confess those sins and name them, admit that, yes, that was not what God wanted for us to do, that he's faithful. He's going to forgive us. In fact, it's already a done deal. It happened here on the cross. It's already a done deal. And as we are in Christ, um, we can experience the joy of knowing that those things were already paid for. But when we confess them, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all unrighteousness. All of it. Even the things that we didn't know we were doing wrong. That we were certainly walking under our own power, not the power of the Holy Spirit. So at the bottom of that bottom circle there, if we sin, the way back in to control of the Holy Spirit is by confession of sin. Once we confess that sin, the Holy Spirit's in control again. Until the next second when we do something else. <laughs> but he is, hopefully, as we mature in Christ, we will allow his spirit to control us more and more and more until all people see is the Holy Spirit living through us and pouring out onto them. So confession is the key to that, of staying in fellowship. This is our relationship. We are in Christ. This is how God brought us back to him through the cross. And as he brought us back to him, he placed us in Christ, he sealed us in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit indwells us in here. But we have to allow him that access to to guide us and direct us and to lead us. So we have to be saturated to the point of control. Somebody right? What color is it wrong? Kind of a greenish color? Green? Mm -hmm. Kind of a greenish color. Okay. Excuse me. All right. Tammy, yes. I have a question. Yes. What were the three categories that all sin falls under? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. I should have written down what that verse is. Anybody know it right offhand? The most boastful what? Pride. 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 Right, right, right. Two 
First John two sixteen. Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap all this up. Um, we have so many blessings because we are in Christ. And when we look at the list that that is even beyond this, I mean, we've been saved. We've been born spiritually, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been justified. We've been reconciled to God, who is holy. And that, we reconciled, that means the books have been made, I mean as an accountant, you know that, for reconciling accounts. Christ dying on that cross reconciled that account for us with God, so that we can have a relationship with God. We are sealed and indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We are adopted. We are loved. We are full of grace. We are holy and blameless. We are able to know God's will. We are the bride of Christ. We are fellow heirs with, because we are in Christ. We are workers of good works. We are workers of good works. They are inherently good because God created them. But we are only workers of good works when we're doing the work of being in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because all good things don't always fall under what God has called us to do. But the things that he's called us to do, if we're submitting to the Holy Spirit, we will be doing the will of the Father. Um, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places when we just think about that this week. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And that list can go on and on and on. And it will as you pick up your Bible and you read it each day. Um, I would challenge you to just start making a little list. That's a spiritual blessing. That's a spiritual blessing. And just start writing those down. Maybe even put them in the gratitude box. Because aren't you grateful for it? I'm so grateful that he has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. That's the key. And that's where it starts. Are there any questions on anything I've shared today? Yes, Valerie. Oh my God, thank you so much. There's so much in this. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't talked for a while. So. It's good. It's all good. So I think we make a lesson to that. Each and every day, I'm trying to give it so much. Yeah. Um, talk about it, and I don't know what it's that, but let's see how strange that now. No. Okay, we talked about um, Romans 12 1, mm -hmm. renewing your mind. That's a scripture I have to say every day. And I always say the renewing of the mind every day is to detach the mind from the way the world, they have, world have taught us to think. Yes. The Babylonian system. Yes. 
And I will also tie that in with the drum pen. With, um, and I forget, I noticed my daughter father and my train up stuff. That's probably reading about being drunk. Do not be drunk. Ephesians 5 18. Okay. So we also get intoxicated by the things of the world. Yes. Yes. The TV, the music, the social media. The, the, the <laughs> so that's why it is so important for us to prevent our bodies that have been sacrificed. Because then that's a Romans mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And we really have to renew our mind. Yes. The word. Um, so, so was I. <laughs> no, it's me. It's me. And then I should have walked on my capital circle for the other. It's wonderful. Also, when you talk about to know the will of God. Yes. Because a good thing is not necessarily a God thing. Correct. And when we're doing good things, we think we're doing God things. And um, so, the latest example is. Um, Something happened on Friday, somebody needed something. So right away, the answer like, maybe I should go and help that. But then now, I'm learning to, okay, God, is this mine? Am I supposed to do it? If this is what I'm supposed to do, um, okay, give me a sign. So then I, I, I call back my daughter. Either that like, you know how when the, the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it speaks to us differently. Yes. Most days when I'm in the bathroom and I'm sitting and I'm like, what go out of my head? That's the answer. Because in our mind, in what God has given us, there is no problem, there is no situation that comes in our life that we don't have the mind to solve it. Mm -hmm. But because of frustration and anxiety and something, oh, that's too hard. Oh, I can't do that. And initially, it could be because it's something different. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always look back at what he started with this COVID and what he started doing the mass, and I used to be like, oh my God, how do I start to do what they say? Oh, I can't breathe. But now, you do it and it's nothing. Yeah. Until so you have to wear it on a plane for 12 hours. It's just training yourself to do what's necessary. Also in Romans 12, 4, um, 4 when it talks about the gifts. Uh -huh. We all have gifts corporately and we have gifts separately. I make my juice and I use my juice as a ministry. Mm -hmm. So when I make my juice, I always pray over it and I say, God, I thank you for this gift. I do it with love. God, whoever drink this drink, let this minister to them. And it's even the Holy Spirit is even taking me to the point. Before I used to do in general, when I'm making gifts for the individual, and I pray for that as the individual instead of just praying over it generally. Mm -hmm. I said, if you could use anything in this last day, when you say you will pour out your spirit, you will use this gift and let your spirit flow in this gift. Let it bring spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing, mental healing, relational healing. You know, sometimes you get more. Right. If the person has right. cancer, the person has this. You pray. I remember this guy, Kurt. He used to work for FEMA. You remember Kurt? He used to come here. And I think it was really God for her. And we got friends that I lost his number. You know how many people he used to bring to church because of my Jews? Oh. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, you know, that's the incredible thing about those spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about 
a variety of gifts. There are a variety of gifts. There are a variety of ministries. There are a variety of ways they're used, but they're all one God. Exactly. Isn't that what it says in, so, in, in 1 Corinthians 12? Exactly. So he could use a donkey. Yeah, he can use anything. He can use a gift. So That's right. So this tells me in Romans 12, 14, everybody was born to do something. Mm -hmm. no, well, when you were spiritually born, the Holy Spirit moved into your life. Mm -hmm. And when he moved in, he brought with him provisions for you to use. And they're going to be a variety of different ways. I can remember the very first women's event that I spoke at was a, a monthly thing we called Treasures. And we had a time of worship. Uh, we had a great song uh, gal that she just had a beautiful voice. And so she led us in music. And, and I was going to do the teaching. And then we had a craft time and a, re and a refreshment time. And it was like a two-hour long thing that we did once a month. And before we started it, I was probably about 30 years old at the time, um, half my age. Uh, so um, we went to a Women of Faith conference. Now, Women of Faith conference in the States is a big, was big deal. They've since changed it, and the, the original speakers have, have no longer, they're no longer doing it. But it was Barbara Johnson, who was a well-known author and writer and comedian type of writer type of person. She just, she didn't start out that way. She started out suicidal, but the Lord changed her life. And, and she had a joy room. Everything in the room had, she had joys, dish soap, and whatever. Anyway, um, Patsy Claremont was a, a comedian lady. They're all on YouTube. You can find them. Um, Sheila Walsh. Uh, Lucille Swin Lucy Swindoll, who is Chuck Swindoll's sister. Uh, so we go and we watch these ladies speak. And during the intermission, I went over to our women's ministry director and I said, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I can't. We were supposed to be doing the treasures the next week. And I'm like, I can't. And you talk about good advice. She said, you don't have to do that. You have to do this. And so that variety of ministries, it may be that you may be a, a, a teacher by your spiritual provision, but you may be teaching one or two people. It may not be 300, 3,000, 30,000 like those ladies were doing. So we have a variety of gifts. We have a variety of ministries, but we all have the same God and one Lord and one spirit. And they, as long as we are submitting to them, will lead us where they want us to do those different varieties of ways that he's using you. And I have to say, you're, you're probably, you've got, probably got the gift of encouragement and exhortation. That would be my guess. That's just my guess. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you, but that's what I'm saying. That's kind of how that would play out by you providing um, you are wonderful, and it has been a blessing to be Bush Tea, so thank you. Yeah. And yes. one more thing. Um, where was I? Um, I'm talking about temptation. I think there's so much here you will talk about me. Um, well, good thing we're meeting every month, because I could just take one of these things every month. <laughs> the thing about temptation, we all have the things that tempt us. 
But what I'm realizing, if you keep temptation far from you, then you won't be tempted. For instance, I like apple pie. I love apple pie. When I buy the apple pie, I eat the whole apple pie in a day. And what is wrong with that? <laughs> so, that's a temptation for me. I'm going to do it every day. So, I went to the house. I went to this store. I oh, and I buy the one without the sugar. And I went and I had lunch. And after lunch, I ate half of it. And I'm telling you, sir. And then I went to the refrigerator. And it's tempting me. I brought the temptation home. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I brought the intention to go. So one more thing, go back to the gifts. Um, when we use our gifts, whatever gifts in um, Psalms 116, it says, God is mindful of us. Mm -hmm. And he wants to increase us more and more. Increase us in our things. Increase us in our gifts. Increase us in health. Increase us in ministry. Increase us in discipline. Increase us in worship. Well, but you realize... When you're born by the Spirit and He moves in, mm -hmm. all the potential is already there. All the potential to be everything that God wants us to be is already there. We have to learn to walk Amen. in it. And as we walk in it, yes, those things will yeah. be multiplied within yeah. us. Yeah. But they're already there. Yeah. We're just not using them. And, and some of people, some of us are just not aware that no. they're there. No. So if you're not aware that something's there, that's one thing. And if you're aware, you're not using them, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. We have to submit to the Holy Spirit. And then all that all falls into place. And as each one of us are using and walking with the Spirit, guess what? We will bolster the person next to us. Mm -hmm. And we will increase their faith and we will increase their encouragement and we will increase their because we will be walking in tandem with the holy spirit and we will all be building one another up in christ that's the hope that the church would function yeah. as building one another up in christ we're already there we're already have the potential to be everything that we need to be but for some reason god put us all together to work with one another. So that, because, okay, if you only use Valerie, everybody would only get you. <laughs> <laughs> and well, where would the meat be? Where, <laughs> where would the fruit be? You know, so we need to work together. We need to work together to build up the body of Christ. Any other questions? Clarifications? I'm sorry. I, like I said, I haven't talked no, for a long, great. long time. And I told Bobby, I said, I don't even know where, to, where we should start. And I thought, well, if we start with our position in Christ and our fellowship, then all these other spiritual things. Because here's what we do in church. We come to church and we hear a great convicting sermon about what we need to do. But it becomes a list of to-dos rather than a list of to-bees. If we are being under the control of the Holy Spirit, those do's will come automatically. They'll just come automatically. And like I said, they'll be different. My list of to-dos will be different than your list of to-dos. And so when we come to, to church on Sunday, I hope that we are coming with the mind that wants to be transformed and renewed. 
Because eight's preaching some good sermons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but too often in church, we end up with a list of to-dos. And I haven't seen you do that. <laughs> but um, being at the state's visiting and things, you definitely hear a lot of the to-do lists um, growing up even. But my dad's not so much into the to-dos anymore. He's all about who you are in Christ and are you submitting to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to do. Thank you, ladies, so much for coming. Thank, Thank you, you so much for letting me spew all over you. <laughs> because it's been a long, a long while since since I've been able to do this. And um, this is all part of a Bible study that my daughter-in-law and I have been working on for a while. And um, trying to get her to get her weeks finished. It's not so easy when she's a mama and a youth group. You know, she's my son's pastor, so she's helping him with all of that. And, but um, yeah, so I, I, I would say that this lesson has by far changed my life more than any other lesson in the Word of God. Because when I know who I am in Christ, my adequacy comes from Him. You know, how many times have you felt not good enough? I saw I know who I was. Yes, yes. I'm just not, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm just not adequate. But God's word says my adequacy comes from Christ. And my position is in him. So I'm adequate for every good deed. For every good deed. Well, let's close in prayer. And I'm just so grateful for you ladies who, who come faithfully. And um, I just appreciate each one of you. And I'm really glad I know Kelsey's name. Now I know everybody's name in here. So I'm, I'm growing. Kelsey's going to come on Wednesday night. Yeah. Okay. She's going to come on Sunday, too. Yeah. And I know she's seen them on Sunday, but yeah. All right. Well, let's close Father God, thank you so much for our time together. And I thank you for these ladies. And I pray that you would help them as they walk with you to know what your will is and to live it out. I pray that they would know your incredible grace that gives them the grace to handle whatever comes their way. Your grace doesn't change with our circumstances. It is always sufficient for every need. And we just praise you, Father, for being a God that treasures and values us because we are in Christ. And I ask that you would help us to remember that, that we belong to you, we're not our own, and that we would uh, want to live the way go with us and keep us safe, bring us back together again. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please help yourself to refreshments before you leave. Um...